chapter 21, starting with verse 17. When you get there, let's just stand together uh, as I read the passage. Acts 21, starting with verse 17. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all, thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much again for your word. You're good, Lord, and we want to hear from you through your word, God. And so I pray that you'd open our hearts and that you would speak, that you would do what only you can do, that you would change us, God. We love you and we praise you. We thank you for this time and we want you to be glorified through it, God. And so we pray that you would stir in us and move in us and be pleased with us as we respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, it starts off, um, we've been talking about um, Paul heading to Jerusalem and getting to Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem now, and it says, when they had come to Jerusalem in verse 17, uh, the brothers, the believers that were there, uh, met him and rejoiced gladly. And you can imagine, right, all of this long trip that Paul has been on and all of the things that have been accomplished on this trip by God through Paul, through these that are with him, all of these churches that have been planted, all the people who have been encouraged, all the people who have come to know Christ... And now there's this uh, reconciliation, this time where there's this reunion between Paul and the church at Jerusalem. And there's going to be this incredible glad reunion there, right? And so there's this joy and this gladness of, of, of this reunion that, that takes place. And it says, on the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders. Now, if you remember, um, when, when we looked earlier at the church in Jerusalem, it was led by what? The apostles, Right. So there's this transition that has made now where it's not an apostle-led church in Jerusalem anymore, but there are elders who have been established. James, who was one of the apostles, uh, is among them and, and, and probably the, the leader of the church there. But there's made this transition from the apostle-led church to the elder-led church there in, in Jerusalem. And, uh, and probably with the other apostles, they're fulfilling the Great Commission, right? That's what Jesus called them and told them to do. Uh, Matthew 28, uh, where he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And then Acts 1, 8, right? When, when Jesus is actually with them and sending them out. It's actually when Jesus is going to ascend into heaven and he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem and in Samaria and Judea and to the ends of the earth. And so that's being fulfilled now, right? Uh, J- Jerusalem has, has this established church and, and the apostles and other believers have gone out to the ends of the earth um, to preach the gospel. And God's spirit is definitely using them uh, as we've seen through Paul, uh, as we've seen the churches that have been established, the churches that have been encouraged through the work of the Holy Spirit through these people. And so um, there's kind of been this change that's taken place. And so he meets with, with James and all the elders that were, were there. And, and uh, verse 19 says, After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Can you imagine that, okay? We've kind of gone through all, a lot of that, right? As we were going through verse by verse through the book of Acts, We've kind of seen all of these amazing things that are taking place and imagine this incredible, worshipful experience as Paul's not just kind of saying, hey, things were pretty cool on the trip. Um, I got beat up a couple times and, and uh, you know, like, but, but some people made decisions too and, and people are following the Lord. It wasn't like, he goes by one by one, it says, and just giving an account of all the things that God is doing and all of the things that God did through these, these, this missionary journey that he was on. And so imagine like the worship and the response and the joy that's taking place among the body, right? Because they've affirmed this. Uh, we know from, from earlier in the book of Acts that, that they affirmed him going out and they were joyfully sending him out. And so to come back and hear, man, look at the things that God is doing in the world even among the Gentiles. And this is incredible worship full time as he accounts for all of these things and goes through one by one. We ought to do that with each other. I mean, imagine the joy and the, and, and, and the experience that's taking place here as, as they're worshiping because of what God's doing. Everybody, that's what we ought to be like as the body, right? So often it's like, how's it going? Well, it's pretty good. And I had a pretty good time with the Lord this week or I read or... And it's so just blanket statement and... And yet the worship that's coming from Paul going detail by detail by detail by detail by detail, just saying, God, this is what God is doing in my life. And this is what I've seen him do. We ought to be that way as the body of Christ. And as we get together as, as, as two of us or three of us or 10 of us or 20 of us or 70 of us get together, man, we ought to be encouraging each other and building each other up as, as we go detail by detail by detail of this is what God is doing in and through my life. This is what I've seen him do. This is, this is how I've seen him work. This is what I've seen him doing around me and in me. This is how he's building me up through the word of God. This is what's going on with God. And how we would be built up together if we would do that. And that's what Paul's doing here, just going detail by detail by detail. Verse 20, um, you can imagine at the beginning there, it says, And when they heard it, they glorified God. They didn't worship Paul. They didn't lift Paul up. They didn't say, man, you did it. You did a great job. You took the beatings. You kept going forward. You didn't care that you were going to be in prison. You didn't care. They didn't build up Paul. They glorified God. Or they didn't lift up Paul. They glorified God. And that's the response as we come together and as we share together and we, we encourage each other. And if we're giving details of what God's doing in our life, then God's glorified. And people's focus is not on me anymore. People's focus is not on what I've done, but on what God's doing in and around me. That should be our heart. That should be our focus. Just like Paul here and the church glorifies God through it. The elders glorify God through it. But it says that in verse 20, it says, And they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. 
Um, that word thousands is, is pretty incredible. Um, if you're familiar with Revelation, there's this great, they, there's this great picture in, in Revelation 4, Revelation 5 of heaven. And in Revelation 5, it talks about the angels that are around the throne of God. And it says there's myriads, thousands and thousands, okay? Myriads is actually um, like 10,000. Some translations, I think if you have the NIV, it says um, 10,000 times 10,000 angels. That's 100 million angels, okay? Um, And so you've got 100 million angels that it's talking about. Well, that word myriad is where they get that. Myriad is like 10,000. And that's actually the word that we have here in this passage. And so when, when the elders are saying, um, you see, brother, how many thousands, that's myriads. And so we're into the 10,000s at this church in Jerusalem now. I mean, God is doing incredible things to advance the kingdom. And so several chapters ago, when Jesus said to them, you're going to receive power, you're going to get power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and it's going to fill you and it's going to go in you and out of you and work through you. And you're going to be my witnesses, not just here, not just in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He wasn't joking. Uh, we, we see fruit of that. And, and now as he comes back to Jerusalem, what they're telling him is there are tens of thousands of, of Jews who have believed in Christ, who are following Christ. It's just an amazing picture of God's kingdom just continuing to go forward, continuing to go forward. So you've got these, this massive church there in Jerusalem that is just growing and growing and growing and, and, and uh, just beautiful. But it says this in, uh, towards the end of verse 20. It says, they are zealous for the law. They were Jews, right? So they've been brought up under the law and, and they've been taught the, the things of the law and to follow the law. And it says they are zealous. They are, they're eager to do it. They're, they're, they're more than willing and, and, and anxious to follow the law. And they love the law. They, they're zealous for the law. And verse 21 says, and they have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then are we to do? Well, this wasn't true, right? But a rumor had gotten into the church in Jerusalem from somewhere, from somehow. um, And and, and what was being told was, listen, uh, this Paul who's going around among the Gentiles, he's saying that even if you're you're Jewish, that you don't have to follow the customs of of the law. You don't have to follow the traditions of the law. You don't have to do those things, and you don't have to circumcise your children. You don't have to follow Moses. And so this rumor is going around, and it's a big deal, okay? This is a big deal to the church in Jerusalem because they were passionate. God had told them to do those things, and they were passionate about following God and being zealous for God by obeying God. The law, so it's a big deal to them. Well, it wasn't true, right? Uh, these things that are that are being said of Paul are not true. In fact, Romans fourteen, Paul actually said we ought to be sensitive to those who are zealous for the law. We ought to be sensitive to those. If 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 people are hung up because they feel like they have to eat this kind of food or not eat this kind of food, great. Just be sensitive to them and 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 let them be, and don't force your ideas on them, and 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 they shouldn't force your ideas their ideas on you. And, and really his teaching there was just to be sensitive about it. And so the rumor that was going around wasn't true. In fact, uh, we know from, from Acts chapter 16, if you turn back just a couple pages there, Acts, chap- Acts chapter 16, verse uh, 3, when Paul was going to take Timothy with him, 
uh, says Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And so uh, even with Timothy, who had not been circumcised, to fulfill, to obey the law and to be sensitive to those who, who made that a big deal, he had Timothy circumcised. Well, that's a pretty big deal, right? I mean, all the guys are like, yeah, that's a huge deal. Like, that's commitment to ministry that I may not have. Like, but he did. And, like, it, it was important to him. It was important to Paul. So all these rumors are, 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 not, are not true. Uh, actually, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 7 is another great verse where Paul addresses that, as he writes to the church in Corinth, he says in verses um, 18 and 19, he says, Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. So Paul wasn't teaching that you ought not to do that. What he was saying is, if you haven't done it, don't do it. And if you have, don't undo it. I don't know how that works, but that's what he's saying, right? And, and, and so the rumors that are going around are not true. They're not true. It goes on in verses uh, 22 through 24. It says, what then is to be done? So this is the elders talking. What, what then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus, all will know that there is nothing in what you have been told or, or what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. So uh, what, what's going on here is um, they've got four of these guys who have taken a vow. It's the Nazarite vow. OK, and under the Nazarite vow, you couldn't um, you couldn't drink wine or strong drink. You can eat grapes or raisins or you couldn't cut your hair during the vow and you couldn't touch anything that would make you unclean. And so there's these four guys who have made this commitment. They would make this kind of a commitment uh, if they're just making a promise to God or trying to fulfill a commitment to God or just trying to get deeper with God or whatever it was. They would make this Nazarite vow. And it, and it was somewhat um, common. We've got four guys who are doing it here. And, and so what they tell Paul is, here, here's, okay, here's our plan, all right? Here's these four guys. They're under the Nazarite vow. What would happen is when the vow was fulfilled, and it was just a, a certain amount of time. You, you see in the Old Testament, there's guys like Samson who had taken this vow for life, right? Uh, that wasn't normal. It was just normally for a specified amount of time. Uh, and so for these guys, that's the case. It's just a, 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 an amount of time. And so when that vow would be completed, what they would do is they would go to the temple and they would uh, cut their hair because the vow's done and, and so they would cut the hair and, and end in that commitment and then make an offering uh, to end the vow okay and so what they're saying is Paul go with these four guys and and don't just go with them but pay the expense for their offering which was a was a big deal I mean if someone paid the expense for someone's offering it was a, a big sign of piety and so for the Jewish people that would be a great sign for them that this guy is participating in this Jewish commitment that has taken place here and so Paul it, it, the idea is to go with them pay for their offering so that you're a part of this ceremony with them then everyone's going to see that and they're going to acknowledge okay whew, everything we've heard about Paul it's a lie everything's fine and so uh, they send him to go, and, and uh, 
Verse 24 says, take the man, purify yourself also, obviously to go into the temple, and then pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus, uh, all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. So, good idea, right? Uh, it says, uh, verse 25, they're kind of um, coming in and, and, and clarifying what they had decided from the Jerusalem council. It says, but as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. So what they're saying is, Paul, we're not, we're not changing anything that we've said in the past. We're not, uh, we're not taking back our word. We, we still believe that the Gentiles are not obligated to follow the law. We don't, we're not teaching that. We're not changing that. We're not trying to compromise on that. We just need to fix this circumstance. And, and certainly Paul, you know, had been sensitive to those things in the past. And so be sensitive to it now, Paul. Go with these guys and, and, and let's make this thing right. Um, Galatians 2, verses 11 and, and uh, 12, Paul says this. Um, just affirming Paul's stance on this whole thing. It says, but when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men uh, came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. What happened was Peter was, was hanging out with these Gentiles, eating with these Gentiles. But then uh, at some point he broke relationship with them because of um, their lack of stance uh, with the law. And so Paul actually confronted Peter um, and, 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 and said that, you know, what you're doing is not right. You're holding them to standards that are not for them. And so the, the, the Jerusalem council and, and what the elders here in Jerusalem are saying again is just affirming really what Paul has lived by and how he has confronted in the past those circumstances. Okay. Um, just to go on, it says in verse 25, but as for the Gentiles who believe we've sent a letter, um, they're fine. Verse 26, then Paul took the men and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. So he goes through with it. Um, and we'll find out in the next week what the response is and all that. But um, when, when I know when some have interpreted this passage, it's been interpreted as, as Paul has compromised Okay, Uh, Paul's going out and teaching grace. He's teaching. uh, He's writing grace. Right. You look at the book of Galatians. You look at uh, all these letters that he's written. It's grace, grace, grace. We're not under the law. It's grace, 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 grace. And so did Paul compromise in this circumstance? I mean. Obeying the law and kind of going through these motions and kind of taking back steps almost, it seems like, and, and, and going through all this stuff. Is he compromising everything that he's teaching by just kind of looking like this so that he can get out of trouble is it a compromise some people have taught that some people believe that but a couple of things that we need to remember okay uh if that was the case if there was a problem with paul from the church or anything like that number one they wouldn't have rejoiced so greatly when paul came okay if this was uh, a matter of paul not being alike with the Jerusalem church in doctrine, if there was a disagreement there, then they wouldn't have rejoiced so much and they wouldn't have glorified God upon the stories and all that, okay? But secondly, you have to remember what uh, this, this great passage in, in 1 Corinthians 9 where Paul um, talks about this. 
In, in 1 Corinthians 9, and, and go ahead and turn there because I want you to see these verses. Starting with verse 19, 1 Corinthians 9, starting with verse 19. <coughs> this is Paul, again, writing to the church in Corinth. He says, For though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. That's the heart of Paul. And, and certainly these, these verses are clear in this passage in Acts. Uh, to those under the law, to those observing the laws, to those who are following the law, I, I made myself uh, like that so that I could reach more people. This is, this is my goal. This is what I'm set out for. This is, this is my desire. This is what I'm living for, is to win the lost. So that whatever I do and, 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 and wherever I'm heading, the, the cross and the gospel is central in my heart and in my life. Remember what we talked about with Paul, where in Corinthians, Corinthians he said, uh, I've decided to know nothing except, the, uh, except Christ and him crucified. I've decided to know nothing except for Christ and him crucified. And so I, I, I'm, I'm with those that are under the law, I, I become like one under the law. I'm not compromising the grace. I'm not compromising the gospel. I'm not compromising the message. I'm certainly not compromising Christ. But I do that so that I can win those that are under the law. Why? Because Christ is central. Because in my heart and in my life and in my motives and in everything I say and in everything I do, my, my, my one desire and what I've decided is that Christ is going to be exalted through my life. And if that means coming alongside of these four guys so that others can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and not compromising the truth of the gospel in the midst of it, I'll do it. So I don't think that, that Paul's compromising in the midst of this. What he's doing is submitting and surrendering to the leadership of the church and in wisdom really alleviating the problem. Well, hopefully we'll find out, but alleviating the problem that's, that's, that's come about through this gossip to show, no, I'm not teaching and I, and I, and I don't believe that, that you have to give up the law and you have to not observe the law. I don't believe that. It's grace we're saved through grace, but he's certainly not teaching that. I want to um, I want to look at, at another part of this passage um, for a little bit here before we before we end, because um, I'm blown away with um, the church. Uh, verse verse twenty again, and and talked about it for a minute. But when the elders tell him, they said to him, "You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who believe." Now we have no idea. How many believers um, are in the churches that Paul has just come from, right? I mean, the missionary journeys he's been on, uh, Ephesus, Antioch, uh, Tyre. I mean, just 
on and on and on and on. All of these churches, Macedonia, um, Miletus, all of these places that he's gone to. We have no idea how many believers are in these places. He gets back to Jerusalem. We do have an idea because there's tens of thousands of believers here in Jerusalem. I just wonder if we really like are amazed by the fact that the church is advancing so mightily. I mean, we're here, like sitting here right now, 2,000 years later. Uh, we're still part of the same exact church. It's the church that, 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 that God is moving forward with His Holy Spirit and by His Holy Spirit. We're a part of that. Just like the Jerusalem church was a part of that. We're a part of that. Do we get, like, what that means and how incredible it is. And as, as I think about um, how long Paul was gone and he comes back and it's tens of thousands. And, and I remember what, what um, Jesus said in, in John 14. I don't even remember this, but in John 14, um, it's this crazy verse, right? In, in John 14, verse 12, Some of you may have gone through this already in life group. But Jesus is, is talking and, and he says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Pretty crazy verse, right? I mean, let me read it again. This is Jesus talking who did a lot of really cool stuff. Um, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. That's pretty amazing. Every time I've read that, I have to stop and think, okay, greater works than these? Like Jesus said, if I believe in him, that I'm going to do the works he did, and greater works than these, I'm going to do also. I'm going to be part of greater works than what Jesus did. That's pretty the big statement, right? Because, I, I mean, I've been reading in the Gospels and, and there's a lot of things that Jesus did that I'm just like, Lord, I wish I could have seen that. I wish I could have been a part of that. I wish I could have tasted it. I wish I could have walked there. When you healed Bartimaeus, like I wish I could have heard his, his voice as he was crying out to you before and his voice as he was crying out to you afterwards in worship. I wish I could have heard that, Lord. I wish I could have been part of that. And, and Jesus says, listen, if you believe in me, you're going to be part of greater stuff than that. What does he mean by that? What are these works and what are these things that he's talking about? I think what we just read in Acts 21 with this church that's exploded and it's not just in Jerusalem now at tens of thousands, but outside of that at thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and all of these cities, all these Gentile cities who, who thought for so long that they couldn't have a part in this kingdom that God had. That's it. I mean, if you've been following along in your life groups as we go through the book of John, maybe you've seen that there, are, there were some people that said that they would, they would believe and follow Jesus. But even the majority of the people in his lifetime that said that they were going to follow him, what they do? They bailed on him. As soon as he would teach a hard teaching and say, listen, if you're going to follow me, you've got to hate your mom, you've got to hate your dad, you've got to hate your kids, you've got to hate your brother, you've got to hate your sister. As soon as he would teach something like that, say all these people would bail on him. Because they didn't really believe. And then Jesus makes this statement and says, listen, I'm going to leave, but it's, it's, it's to your benefit that I'm going to leave. Because if I leave, I'm going to go to the Father, like he says here. But I'm also going to send the Holy Spirit. 
And then he says in Acts 1.8 that we've been talking about earlier that you're going to receive power when you get that Holy Spirit. When he comes into you, you're going to receive power. And then you're going to be my witnesses. And it's going to be effective because it's going to be through you, the Holy Spirit that's working through you. And it's going to be effective. And the gospel is going to go out not just in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And now we're seeing the fruit of that. I just wonder if we realize when Jesus said it's to your benefit that I go away because you get the Holy Spirit and you're going to receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit, if we really buy into that, if we're really living like that, if we're really experiencing that. I mean, the church is exploding here in Acts, right? I got to tell you, it's still exploding today. And you may be a part of that or you may not be a part of that, but it's still going forward with just as much power. The Holy Spirit is just as powerful now as it was then. And it's going forward with just as much power. And I just wonder if if you're a part of that. If you're experiencing that and you're in your life as you sit down and if you were to give an account like Paul and say, man, let me just give it a detail by detail by detail by detail account. You say, man, this is what the Holy Spirit's doing. And, and yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's amazing that the church went from 120 people now to tens of thousands here in Jerusalem and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands more around the world. But I gotta tell you, it makes total sense to me because I feel the Spirit working through me. I see the Spirit working through me and He's doing the same things around me. And we say that. Does it make sense to us that Jesus said, man, you're going to be a part of greater works than anything that I've done because you're going to have the Holy Spirit and I'm going to go to the Father and He's going to work through you and God's going to advance His kingdom and nothing's going to stop it. And you get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of that. That God's calling people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue. He's calling people. And He said, I'm going to use you. I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit. You're going to have power And that power is going to allow you to be a part of the advancement of that kingdom. 1 Corinthians 9 again. I just want to read it for us. Just sit and listen, okay? Paul understood that. Paul understood, man, I'm a part of greater works than in the life of Christ because of this Holy Spirit that's living through me and God's using me for some reason he's using me to advance the kingdom paul says that like first timothy 1 12 where he says i think christ Jesus, my lord who has considered me faithful even though i was formerly a blasphemer and a and and a persecutor and all of these list of things that he says why is he doing that first corinthians 9 uh, 9 19 for though i'm free from all i've made myself a servant to all, a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Is that my mindset when I wake up and when I get dressed, when I leave my house, when I go to the store, when I go to work, when I when I walk across the street? I'm making myself a servant that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as under, one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, 
that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body, keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you that faith comes from hearing your word, Lord. I pray that you build up our faith this morning, that we would believe, Jesus, that when you said that greater works than these would be done by those who believe in you, that it was truth because that's what you spoke was truth. And that when you said it was to our benefit that the Holy Spirit would come and that you would leave, it was truth. And when you said that we would receive power so that we could be your witnesses, it was truth. And we see that lived out in the book of Acts. We see this church exploding and advancing. And as we, we look around us, we look around the world, we see the same church exploding and advancing. And, and though men have tried to stop it, it cannot be done, Lord. It's your Holy Spirit. It's your power that's pushing it and moving and advancing it. God, would you work in us and convict us and encourage us and, 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 and build us up by your Holy Spirit that we would know and believe. God, that we would, we would step out of our, our beds even with this mindset of being a servant to all so that we might save some so that you might be pleased to work through us to reach those that you are calling. God, help us and, and, and God, increase our faith, God. And God, if there's anyone here that's is not walking that way, that's not even walking with you, God, I pray that you would draw and stir. And, and God, use your word to convict and to open hearts. And, and Lord, even as you said and... and Second Corinthians, God, that you would shine in their hearts. That they would see the light of the knowledge of the glory of you in the face of Jesus Christ. That they would know and believe that this is truth. Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that you're calling us. And you're drawing us. And you, you've desired for us to be a part of this incredible church that you have assembled together and as a part of that church to go as ambassadors just as Paul was an ambassador Lord to go as an ambassador to seek and save the lost you help us Lord we love you so much and we praise you for your word we praise you for Jesus we pray it in his name Amen. Mm-hmm.